BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. Man, every time I hear that intro, I just get jazzed up. I still love it after all this time. I know. It's Pat, it's <clears throat> Pat Hilton did a great job on that one. Pat Hilton did a great yeah. job on that one. He's he's pretty impressive. How you doing today? Doing well. Yeah. Crazy multitasking. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Multi. Sometimes yeah. you have to multitask. Yes, it's all good. It it's does. all good. I I am. You know. I want to. I want to ask you some weird questions. Okay. Right? So I'm just kind of thinking. Do you? Let's just talk like strategy a little bit. Marketing and sales strategy, right? And like fundamentally, when we started the business, I don't think we really, when we started SB Pace, I think we thought about marketing, but we didn't think about sales. We definitely didn't think about sales. We didn't. We didn't think about sales for quite a long time. But my, I'm curious your thoughts on people who don't have sales strategies. Mm-hmm. Like what sort of guidance or advice or what questions would you ask somebody if they said to you, I don't have a sales strategy, what sort of questions would you ask them to make them understand the importance and the significance of one? I'm not the sales expert on the team. Um, well, you are, though, kind of. No, I'm not. I don't do any of the selling. Uh, well, you don't have to do sales to be a sales expert. Sure. The uh, Well, I mean, the sales strategy, first, I mean, first and foremost, do you know who your target market is? Do you know who your ideal customer is? Do like, who who do you sell to? And if you say everybody, you're wrong, <laughs> right? Well, what if what if your philosophy is I'm just gonna, um, I just I just make cool shit, and then people are gonna want to buy it. I mean, there's that 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 was our strategy. Is like if you build it, they will come. Strategy. How did that work for us? Not well. <laughs> right. It's, it's more of a, I mean, first off, people have to know you exist, but you also kind of have to help them understand what problem you're solving, right? Yes. And I mean, I guess, yeah, you, you need to understand the, uh, yeah, what problem you're solving, like, like, and then convince them that you are the best solution for that problem or convince them that they have this problem because a lot of times people don't know that they, they have this problem. And it's like, uh, I mean... As silly as it sounds, I um, uh, oh, during the bowl season, college bowl season, mm-hmm. recently, um, we were um, I'm on this group thread, group thread, group text thread with with a bunch of college friends, and during the Virginia Tech game, um, there were a bunch of like commercials for for like products, cheesy products that you could buy. I'm like mm-hmm. whatever. One of them is called Alien Tape, and it's this, like, super, like, I mean, it's, like, in the infomercial, commercial, whatever, they do this thing where, um, also, I'll be happy to sponsor Alien Tape, by the way, if Alien Tape's listening right now, but um, they, uh, like, you know, that's like, oh, you Wait, can- you're going to sponsor them, <clears throat> or you want them to sponsor us? Uh, both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, like, you, uh, it, it's this double-sided 
tape that's just super strong, like adhesive, and could you, use it to hang something on the wall. That's exactly what they do in the commercial, and I, okay. like as a joke, because some like one of my buddies was, uh, you know, oh, alien tape, oh, this other thing, I can't remember what it's called. So I ordered those things and then sent them to him for a Christmas present. Um, but of course uh, you did. But I kept one of the rolls of alien tape, and then when opening up Cabo, I was like, oh, I've got this alien tape. Did you use it? Yeah, and it's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> like it's really fucking good. And I was like, okay, well, you know. And you bought it just because of the name. Well, I bought it because it was a joke. Because like as a joke present, but I was like, well, let me try it out. I got an extra roll. Let me try it out. And I was like, oh, this is. Like, I didn't know that I needed this, but now I do. So good job, Alien Tape. You you solved a problem I didn't know I had. So <laughs> that's 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 good stuff. That's, I could totally see you buying it as a as a joke gift for somebody, and yeah. then realizing. Well, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. I also tried out Flex Seal for the first time. Tried out, out what? Flex Seal. I don't know what that is. It's uh, it's this. It use it for pipes? No, you can. You can use oh. it for anything. It seals everything. It's some sort of like silicone rubber, like spray on stuff that, okay. like it when it dries, it's like it can seal anything. The guy takes a screen door, cuts a hole in a boat, puts a screen door in it, and then flex seals it, and then rides a boat across the lake. That's how good Flex Seal is. <laughs> <laughs> also, Flex Seal, hook us up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. Where did, did you use it at the restaurant? Yeah. Or did you did you put a hole in your boat? <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't own a boat. Um, yeah, use it at the restaurant. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, those stories, I actually have lost track of what I originally asked you. Sales, sales strategy. strategy. Yeah. So, if you if someone tells you they don't have a sales strategy, what kind of questions? You're going to post to them to make them realize the ridiculousness of that answer. Well, like I said, like, do, like that's how we got off tangent there. Was, yeah. Like, do, do you do you know who your target market is? Do you know the problem that you're solving? Dumb guys who will buy anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and you, and and you put it at a price point that is reasonable, where it's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll spend eight bucks, you know, for for fun. Yeah. Well, there is that price point, right? There's there's the that's not bad. I can I can absorb that. That's what she said. <laughs> Man, we're juvenile over oh, yeah. here. All right. You know what? We I'm not even going to finish the statement. We're gonna, we need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. But first, you should tell them about Certivium. Oh, I should tell them about Certivium. Certivium is our amazing business where we focus on customer engagement, content planning, and social media management for small business owners. This works great if you are a solopreneur or you run a really lean team and you can't quite find the time to be consistent with social media or you need help with engaging your clients and making sure that they stay happy and lifelong customers. You can find out everything you need to know about Certivium in the show notes and at sbpace.com. I can't remember. All right, welcome back to the show. We have Scott Alexander of Alexander Designs. He makes things, pretty things, on the show with us today. And we're going to talk all about, I don't know, I think probably like what it's like to have a craft business. Like, is that how you would describe your business, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, it's craft-based. Cool. All right, well, welcome to the show. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. All right. My name is Scott Alexander. Um, I make ma- mainly bolts and other food service items. Occasionally, I do some small pieces of furniture and um, wall art. 
Did you um, say ball art? Wall. Uh, wall art. That makes way more sense, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. You didn't know what you got yourself into yeah. when you said yes to this show, did you? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just going to, you know, ask the most obvious question that's coming to my mind is how does one discover they have a passion and I'm assuming you have a passion for it. How does one discover oh, yeah. they have a passion for making bowls? Cause you're basically like you go out and chop down the trees yourself, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I buy commercial logs, but occasionally I, you know, if all of this, a tree service job where, you know, I'll cut down the tree and haul it home and, you know, make the, the landowner a bowl from the tree. And yeah, but as far as how it started, um, I've always, I went to art school in the nineties and, you know, I worked as a, a photographer and creative director for the first 20 years of my career. And then I always made stuff in the background. So I built a pizza oven, uh, I built furniture. And then, um, I got a book called, it was a book on campaign furniture. And I don't know if you're familiar with campaign furniture, but it was stuff that was made to take to war by the British military. So it was all made to travel. And there was a chair in there called a Rorke chair that I just absolutely loved. So it's all loose mortise and tenon joinery. And um, well, you can kind of, well, yeah, see it in the background. But, um, you know, I had to have a lathe to make the chair. So got a lathe or built a lathe. Um, and then made a bunch of chairs. And then my wife asked if I could make a bowl and I had no idea how to do it, but you know, get on YouTube and sort of figure it out and go out into the woods and look for a chunk of wood that I could use. And that was the start of it. I, I was awful at it, but I loved it from minute one, you know, so that was really how it started. And, you know, it snowballed it. It was, you know, I, I ended up making so much stuff that I had to do something with it. And, you know, started selling in local markets and then started a website. And, you know, I ran that alongside of my day job for, for almost four years, a little over four years. And then uh, lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic and decided that it was time to just go all in. And that's pretty much the story. And, I mean, that's... I think the, especially that that pandemic part was is a story that so many people kind of fell into where you found yourself unemployed and had to figure out a way to not only keep your sanity, but make some money on the side. Um, and, you know, we talk about the the great resignation or the labor shortage or all of that. And people are like, oh, well, they're all getting the government money. And I'm like that money ran out a long time ago. Like people, oh, yeah. people figured out, oh, okay, I don't need to go to a nine to five to make ends meet. I don't need to, yeah. um, you know, I, I can, I, I have the time now. I have a year and a half to, you know, to, to, to figure out how to do something that I love and make money off of it. And I think that's great. Um, you know, it's, it's not so great for people who are looking for employees, but for, right. for, for people who are out there who are able to kind of, uh, you know, turn their passion into uh, an actual career, I think it's great. So, you know, how, how has it been for you the past, you know, 18 um, it's months? Been, I mean, up until this year, it's been pretty good. I mean, and honestly, this year hasn't been that bad. I'm just down, you know, 18% to last year, but as 
you know, my average order value is over $250. So I can very quickly make up uh, that, you know, being a little soft, but um, you know, I, I broke six figures in sales last year and, you know, I'm still working out of my house, but you know, and you know, the reality is I'm, I'm not making what I did um, in my old career, but I don't have an awful boss. <laughs> I don't work for a huge corporation that doesn't care. Um, you know, I don't miss any of my kids stuff, so, you know, tennis matches or soccer, um, you know, and that's really, for me, is huge. Um, you know, yeah. other than that, just, you know, trying to figure out how to get where I want to go, where I can have the facility and the employees. Um, I had a pretty large team in my old job that I ran and, uh, you know, working completely alone all day, every day gets a little, <laughs> a little iffy, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You know, I end up talking to myself a lot. <laughs> same, so. same, exactly the same, Scott. I am curious how, when you think about the growth opportunities for your business, how do you think about, like, what are sort of the parameters that you put around scaling, right? Because, right. you know, there's, when you are in a business where you are literally using your time to create there's only so much scaling. You can only scale in a couple of ways, right? There's, it's very, very fixed. So where, when you think about scaling, what do you, how do you look at it? Um, it's going to, I think the business is going to diversify a little as I scale. So I have two parts of the business right now. I have my own finished work and then I have a wood turning supply side of the business where I, I sell bull blanks to other wood turners, spindle blanks, and I'm going to start doing some education. Um, I think that that side of the business will be much easier to scale as it doesn't take nearly as much skill. So I could train somebody in, you know, a month on how to provide all those materials and supplies. Um, but beyond that, absolutely. Like if I could hire um, at some point, another, you know, high quality wood turner, um, they could do parts of what I do and I could try to train the rest of it. Other than that, I have a lot of ideas for furniture and uh, other art pieces that I just, you know, I would need a team to uh, lead them through. And I don't, you know, I don't have uh, dreams of building a billion dollar empire, um, you know, at, you know, three to five employees. And, uh, you know, my ultimate goal is to have sort of a self-sustaining environment where we have a small farm, you know, we can provide all the families that are employed by us with enough food to keep going. It's kind of part of the, uh, pay package. And then, um, my wife and I want to do like Airbnb experiences where we bring people in for a week at a time and, you know, teach, she does a lot of sewing and crafting. And then I do the wood turning. And, uh, yeah, so. Well, and the bonus there, you'll always have vessels to eat that food out of. Just ready, <laughs> Absolutely. Ready to go, so. <laughs> um, no, but that's, that's cool because it's, uh, you get to, um, like it's, it's like the, you're building a, a culture right there. You're not just building a, a business. It's like, you're going to get people on board who, uh, eventually who hopefully f think the way that you do and have that, you know, the same, the same 
beliefs, so to speak, that you do that, that will, and that's like what we always talk about when it comes to hiring is that's very important is to make sure that you're hiring to the culture. That way, you know, the, the people have buy-in, they feel like they're a part of something and they're not just a, a, a cog in the machine. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the sayings that I always loved in my old job was I'd rather have a hole than an asshole <laughs> in a position. So it was sort of, you know, I'd rather just go without for a bit until I find the right fit. So, yeah, that's, uh, I've never heard that saying before. I, I like that saying. I'm going to use that. Yeah. It, took, it, took me, it took me a minute to kind of work through oh, it. Well, no, you were, you were mine, like, the wrong direction. I really did. Yeah, I know I, exactly where your mind went. I really did. I'm not, I'm some, sometimes I'm just not mature enough for certain conversations. Yes. <laughs> like I'm the only one. Stop it. All right. So right now, um, you know, you're talking. You said mentioned earlier that your you know your numbers are a little bit down this year. Uh, what do you right. what are you attributing that to? Uh, I think it's a lot of things. I think the market's just a little soft. Um, my most of my customers are middle to upper middle class who've been hammered the last you know almost two years now. And I think you know with the cost of everything rising so rapidly right now, that's a part of it. I think the other part is my social reach has gone from, you know, if I did a post in the past on Instagram, it would reach 20 to 50,000 people every post. And now it's like five or 6,000 if I'm lucky. So social reach is way down. Yeah. Um, That's happening to a lot of people. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of it, I think my best way to get my work out there and get it in people's hands were through restaurants. So I would provide a restaurant with pretty, a a screaming deal. And in return, um, they would sort of let my, let their customers know where they got the work or they'd put me on their website. And I've kind of offered it up. Like I have a um, affiliate program and it's like, Hey, would you guys like to make, you know, 20% commission on sales? I'll give you a QR code. Your customers can scan and track those sales. Unfortunately, I think five out of the six restaurants I was working with went under, during the pandemic. So it was just, you know, it's been kind of the perfect storm of, (laughs) you know, things that used to work versus things that, you know, I don't know, haven't really discovered the new thing, like other than just keep hammering, but yeah, just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's the best path path forward. And, you know, it took me quite a few years to sort of figure out what worked. And now I'm sort of having to, you know, refigure out, things that work. Like, how can I get the story out? How can I get my customers sharing um, their story? So I, I just started emailing uh, past customers to see if I can't get them to share their story, you know, with a, you know, give them a 20% discount code if they're willing to share their story to me. So I can use that as social posts and, you know, email blasts. Um, you know, otherwise I'm just not sure I've tried you know, paid advertising in the past, and it's always been not worth it. I mean, I, I've never even come close to breaking even. So I've sort of taken that just off the table. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I like your bowls are, are beautiful. And yeah. uh, I mean, I would say that, I mean, they and they they do sell themselves because, you know, it, it's it's a great looking bowl. It's a, it's a conversation piece. It's something that everybody right you know, should have on their counter, like full of fruit or something like that. 
Um, but right. uh, but yeah, it's it's reaching the people to let them know that because we were talking about um, my days just seem like they they are so long nowadays, and I'm pretty sure this conversation we had like eight minutes ago, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like it was yesterday. Uh, but just talking about like creating that, uh, like like solving a problem that somebody didn't know they had. So it's right. uh, like I didn't know that I needed your bowl, but now I need your bowl. And and how do you right. uh, convince somebody that they have this problem? No, absolutely. And it you know for a lot of people, it's like most people have a bowl they can serve food out of. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's certainly not a need in the traditional sense of like you know you need this to survive. No, but you know it's something that it's made to last generations. Um, it isn't just a bowl. Um, but how do you get that point across? And, you know, on top of it, you know, I know that most people aren't my customer, you know, so how do I sort of focus down on, um, you know, who is that customer? And I've always tried to sort of befriend most of my good customers just to get a better understanding of who they are. Um, there's really not much consistency, um, you know, other than most of them enjoy food. Um, they like to have, you know, dinner guests, family, et cetera. Um, and they like to buy direct from somebody that makes something. So, um, yeah. I'm going to say that there's one part of your job that I'm pretty jealous of is that you just get to kind of walk around in the woods to try and find materials to work with. That sounds pretty, Um, that sounds like a pretty cool part of the job, right? Yeah. I don't really do a whole lot of that anymore i used to when i first got started i you know i kind of got my hand slapped because i live smack in the middle of the allegheny national forest and i discovered you could get a firewood permit and so i would go out and collect you know firewood and you know after i started selling stuff somebody caught wind of it and they sort of they wouldn't give me a firewood permit anymore (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so government um, you know, most of the time it's it developing relationships with, you know, local loggers, landowners, um, log yards to be able to source whatever I need. And my time is just too valuable anymore to go out and search for materials. Like I, it's better for me to make a call or send out an email and say, hey, I'm looking for these logs. What do you have? Um, but I spend a lot of time doing hard labor, you know, working on the sawmill, um, you know, lifting up you know, 60 to hundred pound blocks of wood, you know, I love it. It's great. But, you know, when you spend eight to 10 hours a day making things, um, you know, also being your own marketing team and all the other stuff, um, it's, it's a bit much. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the duties stack up quickly when you're a entrepreneur, a solopreneur, they stack up really quickly. I have a question on what sort of, do you create a lot of social content that's videos of the process of you making your products. I do. You know, my Instagram, if you go back through it, there's just, there are hundreds and hundreds of video posts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's been good and bad. Um, my customers love seeing the process. Unfortunately, I've attracted the attention of thousands of other makers. So it's like, and they, chew up a lot well they did chew up a lot of my time so i would get just constant messages asking for help phone calls uh emails and that's sort of why i started the the wood turning supply side of the business to try to capitalize on some of that 
Um, ah, okay. I'm actually going to be making more food content moving forward. So I'm still going to share the process, but not nearly as much. Um, trying to make social more about my customer and how to use the product and to help people learn how to make good food at home. Because I think most people just don't understand what food is anymore. Um, you know, all you have to do is go through the gro- grocery store and see what people have in their carts to know there's a big problem. I'm a silent so. judger in the grocery store at other people's carts. I pretty much only <laughs> shop the walls in a grocery store. Yeah, exactly. Avoid all the center aisles. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thankful where I'm at here. We have, you know, it's a huge farming area. So we've got, you know, we get all of our meat from local farmers. And once the vegetable markets start, um, it gets a lot easier. Plus we're, we have a pretty big garden this year. So. Ooh, I love gardens. That reminds me, you owe me some tomato plants. I do. Um, <laughs> we unfortunately have to start wrapping up the show, but, uh, before we go, I want to tell everybody to go onto Instagram and connect with Scott, his, uh, handle, handle, handle. handle. I, I, look, I'm learning. You are learning. Yes. I'm Ale- so proud of you. Alexander designs eight one four. And you can check out his website, alexanderdesigns.us. Go out there and buy a bowl, everybody. And thank you, Scott, for coming on the show. Thank you to our listeners. And everything you need to know is going to be in the show notes. Oh, I just want to I made it almost the entire show. Every time we say buy a bowl, I really am thinking about pot. I don't know why. I don't I'm just I'm not mature enough. For I mean, I'm sure if you ask him, he could probably fashion one for you. <laughs> probably. He yes. could. All right. Well, if you want to work with us um, or connect with us on social media or even reach out to us to just, you know, talk about feelings, whatever it is you want to do, you can do that on sbpace.com. Or you can also find out about our other business. Oh, I did it. I said other business. Mm -hmm. Certivium. Um, Certivium, you can check them out. You can learn more on our show notes. Or you can get linked directly to them through sbpace.com. Download and rate this podcast. Subscribe. Give us a review. Reach out about any topics you might want us to cover. We should stop saying that one because nobody's ever reached out about topics they want to cover. Nobody has ever said, hey, can you talk about... Data. Yeah, y'all suck. Anyways, uh, we also have a radio show. It's Defeat the Chaos. It's on the Voice America Business Channel. It's live every Thursday morning at 9 Eastern. And, 9 a.m. Uh, oh, my God. That's <laughs> it. I'm done. <laughs> we wrote a book. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but we did. It's called Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It is a number one Amazon bestseller. It comes with a digital download workbook. What? What mm-hmm. word was that? Workbook that has word searches and crossword puzzles in it just for fun. And also some exercises you can do to improve your business. If you already own it, go back to Amazon and rate and review it. I'm tired of telling you to do that. Go do it. Do it. My name is Corey. My name is Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.